to the Everything Went Black podcast. This time around, I've got my good friends, Sarah Timms and Jay Bennett of the band's Ides of Gemini. Their brand new record came out last week, and check it out. We're going to talk about that record, as well as a bunch of other really cool stuff. Before we get going on that, I just want to talk about fundraising and uh, the new Everything Went Black Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, you can check it out. Um, it's at patreon.com backslash everything went black podcast. Or you can just go to the Everything Went Black Media website. And um, it's at that there's a, a button where it says, if you want to support the podcast, donate here. It's also pins at the top of the Facebook page. And um, it's a way for, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with what Patreon is, it's a way for creators to fund their efforts. And uh, the goal, my goal at least, is to, you know, pay for the expenses that you incur while I'm doing this, um, bandwidth, website maintenance. And also I want to uh, kind of upgrade everything. I want to move this into the next phase of its existence. Um, I'd like to turn this into a full-blown uh, media site. Uh, so, yeah, there's a bunch of levels to it. Um, you can put in a dollar, three dollars, five dollars. If you check out the Patreon, you'll uh, you'll see what the rewards are at each level. And uh, you can do it for a month, two months, indefinitely. It's up to you. And, um, yeah, it's cool. I mean, either way, I'm going to continue doing this. It's not like a make-or-break thing, but I'm just, uh, you know, just trying to keep things moving forward, trying to keep the lights on here and all that sort of stuff. Speaking of keeping the lights on, I'd like to talk about our affiliate sponsors. On it, if you're... Uh, a lover of fitness like me, uh, you can check out the Onnit kettlebells. And if you're into uh, living a keto lifestyle, there's Onnit MCT oil. There's banners on the site. All you got to do is click through the banners, and uh, it will take you to the Onnit webpage, and uh, you can order accordingly. Also, um, I'm a big fan of hemp products. You know, hemp. You know, the man has been keeping us away from hemp for way too long, and uh, I support the whole hemp movement. That's why Datsusara is an important uh, company. They, everything they do is made out of hemp. They have uh, gear bags. Um, I use one. I have several, actually, several of their products. I have a fanny pack. I got this gigantic black gear bag. It looks cool. It's got this tactical vibe. It looks like... If you, you have this bag, it looks like you mean business. And, um, yeah, it's really useful. So, yeah, check out Datsusara. There's a link or actually a uh, portal. You click through that, it takes you to the site. Buy something. I get a little kickback. It's all good. So, yeah, if you um, – another way to help out is by leaving reviews on iTunes. Uh, you know, give star rating, write a review, that sort of stuff. But you know what the biggest way you can help out is spread the word. Tell your friends. Always into getting more listeners. And here we go with the episode. There's been a lot of changes, it seems like, in the lineup of the band. Um, you know, Sarah, you're singing now only. You're not playing bass. Yeah. Uh, you got a different uh, different drummer. So how did all that happen? Um, well, okay, so we were on tour uh, with the Mountain Goats in... When was that? 2015? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go with 2015. Yeah. Uh, it was around this time, actually. Like, yeah, like April, right? Like late April, early May, or something like that. It was around this time, two years ago. 
we're on tour with the Mountain Goats, and Kelly uh, got injured. Uh, we were playing in um, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, so it was like a hometown show for for John Danielle on the Mountain Goats. Um, and uh, so, uh, Kelly got injured. She'd actually been, I think she'd been kind of toughing it out for a few days. She I mean, I, I know she had. Like she'd been toughing it out and kind of like trying to compensate for the injury um, and kind of like, she, she had like a back injury at first, but then I think the way she compensated for it, she ended up injuring her hip, which, oh, no. kind, of, which kind of ended up being the more permanent problem um, in the long run. So we already had, um, we had to, we had to, Cancel the rest of that tour, which was a like soul crushing moment. Her, like her leg, her kick drum leg just stopped working. Like at the end of the show, yeah, and we could hear her. She never messes up, and she, we could hear her messing up. We're like, what is going on? Um, yeah, so that was that was where that was yeah. where the changes started. Yeah, she was. It was the last song of our set, and she was like started making mistakes, and she never makes mistakes. Um, so like I, yeah, we both knew something was up and it turns out it ended up being like pretty bad. So we had two more things set up. One was like, uh, a couple shows with Oxbow and then like a festival in Salt Lake city. And she couldn't, that was happening like pretty soon after. Um, so we got Sash, uh, who played with Sarah and Black Map Horseman and now plays with me in Mustard, Gas and Roses. He filled in for those. It was like four shows, um, but um, Sash can't do like he's got two kids. He can't do like a lot of touring. Um, so then we have this other West Coast tour set up, um, and uh, we we asked Scott Batiste from Saviors to fill in, um, and he did, and it went really well. Um, got along great. He's a great player. Like learns really quick. Uh, like just awesome guy to have on tour, and. Um, at some point after that, like, and then we were kind of appeared to limbo for maybe, I don't know, five or six months. It was a long time. We, we kind of didn't know. We weren't doing anything. We didn't know what was going on. And then during, we were waiting to see if Kelly would get better. Right. Yeah. We were waiting. Yeah. Basically, waiting to see what was going to happen with Kelly because by that point, Scott had, was like had to do some savior stuff. I think. Maybe. Right. Um. So finally, Kelly called and kind of like just I ended up bowing out. Just said, "Look, I can't." I can't do it anymore. I can't play. And plus, she she had moved like adding to the complications. Just prior to that Mountain Goats tour, she had moved like three hours away to Idlewild. Um, so we were kind of wondering how it was going to work going forward, anyways. Um, but uh, sorry, I'm dragging this out. Um, <laughs> hey man, it's so, a free format sort of open kind of uh, format we got here, so it's fun. You can ramble okay, as much as you right. want. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, so she bowed out, and then we basically. Uh, we uh, we said we talked to Scott. We said, "Look, man, the, the gig is yours if you want it." And um, thankfully, he said yes. Um, and then, also during this whole period of like a year um, where this is all happening, Sarah had kind of been talking about wanting to quit playing bass, um, which I was trying to vehemently talk her out of because. You know, it's it's just common sense. It's just easier to have three people in a band than four people. I mean, every, everything's easier. Traveling, um, practicing, just everything. Um, and so, but finally, she wore me down eventually. 
And uh, and so we, we we started thinking about who we were gonna get and um, well it, it made I, I was able to wear him down with like my own logistical sense making which was that we had this we had gotten Scott to replace Kelly and they're really really different drummers I mean Kelly is amazing creatively and she's like very minimalist tasteful drummer which really matched um, my how I like to play bass which is also pretty minimal um, so I can focus on on singing more um and then we had scott who's just like a really serious powerhouse of a drummer and we started writing with him um when it was just going to be the three of us writing the album and i was like this it feels to me like it demands like a hardcore rhythm section like a really good bass player who's dedicated to bass and so i was like you know explaining to jay that i will write bass lines to get by, to get through this album, but I really want to focus on singing, and I think if we have a bass player that's dedicated to it, that we're just going to have a much stronger album and stronger band, you know, somebody that's, like, super into just writing cool bass lines. Yeah, that was one of the questions I actually had, was, um, you know, now that you're not sort of shackled to playing an instrument, the what what's the sense of freedom like now that you're just, you know, you don't have to worry about playing bass you can just focus on vocals and you know sort of having more stage presence like how what is that how's that transition been it is phenomenal it's amazing i mean honestly i never i never really wanted to play bass in a band it just when i started black math horseman or, or the band before black math horseman actually there was no bass player and i was like well gee you know i play a little bit of guitar i can play the bass it'll be easier probably than getting a bass player and so I just started playing bass and singing. Also, definitely, I think when I started playing music, it was heavy music, and I felt like I had a chip on my shoulder. I felt like I wanted, I had something to prove. You know, I felt like I wanted to be like the dudes. I didn't want to be that like diva chick singer. You know. Yeah. And I realized over the years that that was something that was. Um, it turned into something that was, it was very ego driven, you know, it wasn't authentic anymore. Um, and I, I felt like I was kind of hiding behind it. And uh, I I felt like what I authentically wanted to do was just be able to sing and, you know, accept that to me, that was like, that's like a much more vulnerable position than playing an instrument and, and singing yeah, especially totally. in the heavy music world. Um, but I felt like that was just something that I authentically wanted to do and, and needed to move into. Um, and went immediately when I started just singing, I was like, you know, it was like an, an angel choir in my head. I was like, Whoa! like, what is this? This is so much fun just to be able to move around and sing. And, and I love moving, too. I just like moving around the stage. It's like a lot more fun to me. Oh yeah. So, did you write any of the bass lines for the new record, or was it you were, weren't involved at all in the writing of that bass? I was not involved at all. Okay. I handed over to Adam, and, and Adam plays bass really differently than yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't write. I, I totally let that go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I should mention about that the Adam part. Um, so we we were kind of talking about like what we're gonna do for bass players and. So Adam plays in a band here with some friends of ours um, called Death Crux, um, like uh, Death, like Megadeth with no A, you know. Okay. Uh, it's two words, Death and Crux, um, and uh, not guess it doesn't matter because you're not right. I always think I always think of everything in terms of like a print interview, so I don't need to spell it for you, do I? Yeah, um, but if some if some kid's out there and he's really right, interested, right. he might find the wrong band. So you're doing him a favor by by uh, you know you're doing the listeners a favor by spelling it out, you know. 
right. Well, there you go, listeners. There, there could be a death made. crux. Check, check, out, check out death crux. You'll, and you'll thank me. Yeah, there, um, there could be a death crux from Hohokus, New Jersey. That's like terrible, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, we, and we were kind of, we, we, we were at a death crux show, like at, at one point, like while this conversation was going on and we were kind of both looking at each other and were like, I think that might be the guy. And, um, and we already knew him. Um, we didn't, from, we didn't know he could play bass though. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know we could play bass. Um, but uh, so then we had a New Year's party here at, at the house, uh, New Year's Eve of 2015, and um, he came over for that. And we just kind of we popped the question, and uh, and that was it. That was it. We got him, and um, now we're and it's awesome. I mean, the whole, this whole thing has been as difficult as it was to get here. Um, it's been so worth it. I think I feel like. Um, the band is um, better than ever, and that's not to disparage Kelly's drumming or Sarah's bass playing at all. Oh, I just think this is the direction that the band went in, and I'm glad that it. I'm glad that it did. You know, it's, I think we're better for it. Yeah, I mean, because even like playing the older material, like I haven't seen you guys play live with this lineup, so it's like, but I imagine in the live setting with the, the new lineup playing the older songs, they must feel like completely different, you know, arrangements and different pieces, you know what I mean? Yeah, it feels a lot, um, it's definitely a lot heavier. Um, Scott's like a heavy hitter, but he's very, I, I should I should add that like Scott is very, um, I mean, he plays those songs like Kelly played them and he's very good about like sort of honoring her style and even the way he wrote for this new record was definitely like a halfway point between his own natural style and her style like he it's it's more tom heavy he laid off the symbols um he, he it's definitely not i mean anyone who hears it it's not like the way he plays in in saviors you know what's kind of cool is like you know me being a listener i remember when you sent me the demos of uh it was just you guys at a drum machine yeah. Oh, yeah, you were one of our first owners. Yeah. That was awesome. I remember, like, you sent me this, and uh, I brought it with me down to Texas when we were recording Path of Totality, and uh, it was when everyone else had left, and I was just staying at Congleton's apartment or his house. It was, like, the last, like, week of the recording, and I was just there by myself, and uh, and I was like, huh, let me listen to this fucking CD-R that Jay sent me. And, <laughs> Oh no, this isn't half bad, man. No, no, honest. No, it was. I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. Because I mean, it, it's it was it's in line with a lot of the stuff I listen to on my own, anyhow. So, um, and then now it's you know then it's sort of turned into this whole other beast now, which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's definitely fully transformed. You're also on a new record label with this last, this newest record too. You guys are on uh, it's on Rise Above this new album, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Lee, Lee. Um, well, there's kind. Of, I guess there's kind of two parts to it. Lee kind of approached us a, a while ago. He was kind of asking about us, like what was going on, um, and then nothing happened for a while. Um, and then uh, that might have even been before Old World New Wave. Is that right? Or no? I can't remember. But he he had been asking about us, and then. We we um, we talked to him. He came out here for Scott Carlson's wedding, um, and we were all three of us were at that uh, when it was Kelly, Sarah, and I. Um, and he was kind of asking like, you know, what's up with Neurot, like that kind of thing. But then we, you know, we we talked to him, but we didn't hear anything for a long time. And so Scott Carlson, uh, um, 
who your listeners might know from Repulsion and and Cathedral also, um, and Death Breath. Uh, he uh, he's kind of doing he's hell, he's kind of doing A and R now for for Rise Above. Oh, cool. Um, okay. And uh, so he he uh, I think he I, I'm pretty sure I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty sure he put Lee in touch with um, that band Beastmaker from Fresno. Um, and then he kind of started whispering in Lee's ear about us, uh, which Lee, I think, was, I got the impression that Lee was already thinking about us, maybe. I don't, I, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. But um, anyway, in any, in any event, it resulted in, and uh, they, made us, uh, um, they made us an offer we couldn't refuse, as, as they say. Um, and uh, we, uh, we couldn't be happier. Um, you know, I, I mean, they did, we, just got, we just picked up our records the other day, they FedExed them, and they, they look gorgeous. Um, they did a really great job. And um, Lee's been super supportive with um, all his effort and his resources, and um, we're just really appreciative that he um, has so much faith in us um, as a band. You know, it's very flattering, obviously, so we're, we're very happy. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys have, you know, you put out a few a couple records, and you, but you, it's not like you're a new band, and there's a lot, you know, you have like a proven sort of... Uh, you know, track record and an imprint and fans and stuff. So I, I, to me, it wouldn't seem like such a gamble to put out a record by you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I think I, I would have to assume that's the way he saw it, but I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just happy. You know, we're just happy to be here, man. You know? Yeah, totally. So, um, it's, it's interesting. Cause like I, I oftentimes every now and then I, I like to disappear down the YouTube uh, rabbit hole and, um, you know, I like to watch videos and, you know, rock videos. And it seems like uh, you guys have some really cool videos that are out there. And uh, does, Sarah, do you do you produce these videos? Because I know that you, you work in that I field. Directed, um, I directed and I guess produced as well the, the most recent one we okay. did. Yeah, that's, um, that's the one I think I saw. Yeah, for, yeah. for uh, Heroin's Descent. Yes, yep, that's the one. Yeah, I did that one. Uh, and I'm very happy with it. I think it turned out pretty well. Um, and before that, uh, we were getting a friend of ours to do it, um, under, with my direction, but there was no budget and I really, I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I really didn't want to be the director without any sort of budget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we finally got a budget for this video that, for heroines to set. And so, um, I'm pretty, I'm really pretty happy with it. Now that's that's um, a field that you work in, right? You work in, in video, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying not to do it for a while, uh, so um, now I just take it. Uh, generally, I, I pretty much I don't think I've taken a, a job strictly for money in, in almost a year. I think now I just really do video for friends that I love and creative projects that I'm into um not so much for for my means of making a living so do you edit and shoot or one or both uh I don't so much I don't shoot really anymore I I like I found that I much prefer working with DPs and I have a really amazing DP named Brian Sowell who's also a musician um down here that I've worked with on a couple of videos now. He and, plays in Death Crux too. Oh yeah, he's yeah. in Death Crux and Buried at Sea. Oh, um, Buried at Sea, yeah, I know those guys too. And, uh, what? No, I Buried at Sea, I'm definitely familiar with them as well, definitely. Oh 
yeah, totally. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's been the director of photography on the last two videos that I've done, and, and he's amazing. Um, and then I've edited them as well as directed them. Now the actual concept of the video and you know the storyboard and do you how yeah. involved are you? Is that like basically you come up with a concept and then these other people sort of execute it? Um, I come up with a concept and I pretty much execute it as well. Oh, okay. Um, I'm learning to work with helpers. It's hard to work with helpers when you have such a low budget, you know. And I've I've used a lot of free help, but I try not to you know call in too much free help because. You know, you just, you run, you don't want to pull all your favorites. You don't want to wear your friends out, you know? Yeah. Um, so at this point, um, actually in the last video, I was able to use more help than I've ever, like help building things, for instance. I had a lot of help building things on the last one. Um, and I had other people. I, yeah, I did have some help. But basically, it's kind of, I'm, I'm really hands-on with everything. As for, I'm prop-making. I'm doing everything, um, usually. Yeah, Scott Scott, uh, Scott Batiste, uh, uh, he actually, there's a scene in the new video where we're hauling um, a coffin around. Yeah. He actually did that coffin. It's a full-size coffin that um, that he can fit in. And he's probably, he's like my height, like 6'5". Um, so it's like, a, um, it's actually sitting in the front yard right now. Um, he built that for that. And, um, we did, we got some free um, help. Here's a fun fact. Huh? The makeup person oh, yeah. on the video, her name is Christina Waltz. She is, well, she works on a lot of films and TV, but um, she is Pee Wee Herman's makeup artist. Wow. So, yeah, so there you go. We had, we had, some, we had, that's a cool little, uh, cool little bonus. And she did a great job with the makeup. She did. We trade cat sitting, though. Yeah, yes. We're cat sitting. We cat sat. We're cat sitting for makeup. Video. <laughs> <laughs> so it's in it's in the uh, sort of barter system. That's I love it. the barter system. Yeah, I'm, I don't know, maybe I can trade like a couple of chickens and a goat, maybe. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get, get some video work done as a result of that. You know, you, you can feed yourself from a goat. You know, for like almost a year, probably. <laughs> absolutely. It's a lot of Look meat. Me up. <laughs> Now, uh, the imagery in the video, um, you know, it seems like there's, uh, does it have any, does it tie in with the lyrics or like, yeah. is there a storyline? Because it seems like there is. Well, I mean, the overall um, theme of the lyrics is going through a death transformational process. Um, it's, it's symbolic death. Mm -hmm. um, is what I was singing about, but I, I think it can also be applied to real death as far as my views go. Um, but that's basically that you go through many death experiences in your life when you learn that parts of you have become stagnant. There's a lot of things in your external life that are no longer serving you. You know, you have these sort of existential crises where you find yourself looking in the mirror, like in the beginning, and you're like, you know, how did I get here? Um, and then you, you try and maybe search for more fulfillment in that thing that you're in, in the sort of space that you're living in that's stagnant and you just don't find it. And then you find out you find out you just have to die in order to go through that transformation process. You have to let go of everything. And once you do let go of everything, you find an opening, you find something else. And that was like the, the diamond thing, the diamond mm -hmm. process at the end was like where 
that sort of transference of energy happens and it's that pressure and strife and underworld journey that you know with the cliche that it creates diamonds you know oh yeah it's pretty cool yeah that's um yeah when i watched the video i had a lot of different ideas like going in and out of my brain about that you know kind of similarly with you know the the sort of ego death and you know this this whole other conceptual thing that i actually was working with myself um yeah you know as far as like you know lately i've been really into like the sort of hindu um idea of the universe being destroyed to open up a way for like the new kind of like a new beginning in, in a sense you know what i mean so so whenever, whenever i see another piece of art or something that has to do with uh destruction and you know Re- reforming or transformation like that kind of stuff really uh really grabs my attention and that's why i think the video i was like wow i want to check this out a couple times cool yeah. awesome what's funny is if uh it came with a you know when, when you watch things on youtube um you know something comes up after that usually yeah <laughs> like synchronistic oftentimes <laughs> it's funny how i was like oh cool maybe they'll be just a whole stream of uh, Ides of Gemini, uh, you know, videos, but that's actually what, wasn't. What I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to mention the names of the bands that came up, but it was. Uh, oh, okay. It was bands oh, I wasn't so really curious. too excited about. <laughs> a lot of beards. Uh, a lot of like uh, over, overweight dudes with like really bad cardio, and uh, kind of like stony riffs, you know. Oh my god. Cardio. Cardio. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really bad cardio, and uh, you know, but uh, I don't know. It's funny. I think it's it's like I don't really ever consider you guys to be in that that genre of bands, really, like the doom kind of thing. And do you get yeah, lumped, do you get lumped into that a lot? Oh yeah, we don't. Yeah, we it, we get lumped in with that stuff all the time, and we do not get it. I mean, I, I, I guess I guess I understand in the sense that you could maybe point to certain songs we have and and say, well. There's a doomy element to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. But I don't know how anyone could listen to this new record or any of our records really and say, that's a doom band. I mean, no. there's a couple of songs that are doomy, but I just, I don't know. And this one seems the least doomy to me. No, I mean, there's just a lot of atmosphere. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, to me, it's not, to me, it doesn't seem like doom at all. That's why I get blown away whenever I hear people like kind of classify you as that. Or when I watch YouTube and like a bunch of fat dudes show up after your video. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wow, joke, this is kind joke, of a the bummer. The we always make is, is uh, that I think we often get like, we'll get lumped in on some metal bill. Um, like we played a festival recently. It was great. We had a great time. But like the bill is like stuff like we play with Breharia and Repulsion wow. and things like that, which is awesome. Um, and there were doom bands on the bills and like nausea and these, you know, it was a very diverse bill, we, which we like, yeah. but you know, I think on a bill like that, we maybe come across as not particularly heavy. Um, whereas, you know, if we were to play to some of the play with some of the bands that we personally feel more affinity with, we would be considered, you know, like Gothic rock, death rock type stuff. We would maybe be considered like too heavy for that. So we're, I guess we're kind of in a weird spot. Yeah, it's like what what you guys what comes to mind when I listen to Ides of Gemini is like like how Atriarch is sort of like a band that um, kind of defies genres in a way. Um, you know, they have they 
you know, Atriarch and Alaric and like bands like that, they, they get loosely thrown into the doom category or whatever. And, but they really do have like their own sort of thing going on. And I kind of, I feel like you guys fit more into that, like whatever Atriarch is, I think that's what you guys fall more into. You know, I we, agree. We love those two yeah, bands. We love those bands, and we've played with those bands, yeah. both, both in um, with Ides and then the other band that Sarah and I do, Black Mare. Yeah. Um, with, with both, um, both of those bands, and we, yeah, we, we really, we really like, we really dig those bands. Yeah, we, we feel like that. Those bands definitely, um, not necessarily sonically, but, but at like, uh, atmospherically and and I don't want to say spiritually, but like. The, the 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 thought process that's involved in what they're doing, I think maybe we have an affinity with. That yeah, I think so right. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I um, when I was out in San Francisco back in uh, March, um, we had a day off, and I, we stopped down into the uh, they were, they were recording the album in um, in Oakland uh, with that dude, that real far out guy. Um, the hell, something hammer like the studio, like like. Sound hammer oh, or like audio hammer. Audio hammer. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the place we went. We were hanging out there, and uh, was Atriarch? It was. This is Atriarch. Yeah, they were recording yeah, a record yeah. there. Yeah. And uh, it, the, the new record's going to be amazing, man. I can't wait to hear it. I mean, and um, and yeah, just like the vibe, and you know, maybe some of the influences, and and um, the overall atmosphere of the music. I think. I think you guys, you know, Alaric, Atriarch, they all have like this other like sort of, you know, third party vibe that's going on that doesn't really it's it's not really metal. It's not, you know, definitely not doom, but it's like you were saying earlier, when you guys play with like, you know, more like a death rock kind of thing, it, you guys might come off as being a little like heavier than that. But right. I don't know, it's just like a really cool um between genre cross-pollination of a lot of different things that I really like, you know what I mean? Kind of like how the yeah. Swans are like that, too, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when Michael Gear is playing acoustic guitar, it's heavy, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like with the vibe that you guys have, too, you know? It's like, it's heavy, but it's not really, maybe not sonically heavy, you know? There's just a, a heavy atmosphere associated with the music. Yeah, we, yeah. we love the Swans as well, especially Sarah. Yeah, one of my favorites yeah. ever. Have you have you caught the Swans recently, like in the last couple of years? Been... I saw them. Uh, yeah, I saw them. When's the last time I saw them? We saw them at Fonda. I, I, yeah, we saw them at Fonda. What was that? Like six months ago? Maybe? Yeah, like six months. Six and then months before ago. that, we before that, like six months before that, we saw them at the Roxy. It was like right a year, year ago. Yeah, we Roxy. saw them the last two times they came through. No, there was one in between. We didn't see them for sure. Yeah, there was one in between the Roxy and the Fonda that we didn't see them. I think it was another one at the Roxy, but yeah. both were just like you know, of course pummeling transcendence you know where you just are forced to lose your mind um it's pretty it's pretty amazing experience yeah that's a a band that they like the the selection of instruments and sounds that they use to create it's not just like heavy guitars and like you know like they use like percussion and right and like you know uh lap steel and right instruments that aren't really something that would be an obvious choice to create something as dense as that and they put together this like wall of sound which is you know based on like all these like various instruments and pieces and details and everything and it's like you know if any you know anyone who hasn't who has who's thought twice about 
seeing them and hasn't seen them should definitely check the swans out next time they play you know if they want to experience something you know i totally agree i feel like they're they're one of those bands to me that um i feel like i don't know this for a fact but i feel like they're not trying to be music they're trying to like bring another realm into our current reality or like you know like like maybe like raise a fort of sonic mythology or something like that yeah yeah definitely so Jay, i got a question for you specifically and this has been, right. this has been weighing on me for for many years now <laughs> all right all right well let me let me unburden you my friend okay you know, you mostly you've been a musical analyst or writer or journalist or critic. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. primarily the bulk of your career has been spent writing about music. Okay. Right. Yeah. Now, how does it feel? You know, and you've written about me. You know. Yeah. You've, I've often. seen you've you've thrown my name around in print before, <laughs> and um, you know, and and uh. I have a strong enough, um, resilient enough constitution where I can take criticism. So, you know, I've, yeah, yeah. I've gotten criticized quite a bit over the years. So I'm, I'm good at that. Yeah. Now, how how are you coping with that, being a writer? And then now your creative endeavors are sort of out there for other people to write about and uh, possibly criticize and, you know, assess. Like, how has that been for you? Uh, it's been it's been great. It's to me it's fair play. I I I've never uh, labored under the illusion that uh, everybody is going to like the music that we're making. Um, so it, to me, um, you know, <clears throat> bad reviews or criticism is part of uh, that's built in to 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 the system. That's built into the you know if you're if you're gonna. If you're going to fly that flag, you have to expect that that's what's going to come back sometimes. Um, and uh, I, I, frankly, I think every band should think that way. I, I really don't have much sympathy for bands who can't take criticism. Uh, that's the way the ball bounces, man. I, I don't, uh, and, and it should be, and, it, and it's not any different for me, and it shouldn't be any different for me. Um, so, but you know, I will say, in in terms of <clears throat> it, my perspective has changed at least a little bit in the sense that. And this started before we started Eyes of Gemini. I was kind of leaning in this direction anyways. Um, I've been getting away for the last like 10 years or so, getting away from reviews mm -hmm. and, and the criticism part of um, journalism. Uh, I still do, I write reviews occasionally, um, but only of things that I like. Um, the, I, the, the days of me like, um, you know, criticizing someone's record or you know taking a dump on it or something um those are over to me my my attitude is i uh i, I don't see what the purpose of that is there, there'll be someone else out there who can fill that role and i'm, I'm happy to let them have at it um i don't need to do that uh, and i don't want to do that frankly i don't i mean it's, I'm not, it just doesn't reviews don't don't they generally don't interest me anymore unless it's a record that i'm really enthusiastic about and, and feel like you know people need to know about this um uh, or if, especially if it's a review that I, or if it's a record that I sense is also kind of not going to get good reviews, but I think it's good, um, then I feel like you know I need to you know step in and and and, and champion it to any extent that I can. Um, but generally, I don't do much, many reviews anymore. Um, 
but again, like that was starting. I was starting to feel that way before we started the band, but starting the band only solidified that, you know. Yeah, I, I um, I, I actually I don't think I I really never read reviews because uh, I feel like music is just definitely it's too subjective really to have any kind of. You know, it's not like you're, you're reviewing, like, a new car or something. You know, right, yeah, where... yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I, I don't see... I, I'm kind of losing interest in the analysis. I mean, I'm, I, I've almost completely lost interest in the analysis part. Um, to me, it's like... And to me, you know, I think anyone who's going to... You know, there's a lot of analysis going on, you know, with the new record. And I think analyzing the record... I, that's fine. I mean, you know, go for it. But I think you're kind of missing the point. We, we're we're trying to take you somewhere, you know. Um, so you can you can kind of let yourself be taken in by the atmosphere of it, and you may like it or not like it. That I mean, you know, again, I expect that. Um, but uh, to like get in there and, and try to like pick it apart or something. Uh, I, I don't see what the point is, but I, but I expect, again, I, I, I know that's what people do. So, um, but I just can't, I can no longer relate to that mindset. That's all. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. You know, it's just, and also, you know, not even what I really like is listening to a record where I, I might not like everything on the record, but there's some stuff that I really like, you know what I mean? Like when I listen to like houses of the holy by Led Zeppelin, you know what I mean? It's like, there's like great songs like black dog and like stairway to heaven and all that sort of stuff. But then there's like a couple of tracks on there, which I think I, I just can't even listen to, but it, yeah. the diversity yeah. of the record is like what interests me. You know, the fact that they can have material on there that is so distasteful to me, but also I can enjoy something else. Like there's like this kind of like, you know, conflict and that that's, I like listening to records like that where there's like something that you really like or something that you, you can't, really get into but it's all in the same yeah. body of work you know I, I, I remember having that experience with a lot of Van Halen records where some stuff is just like I'm like whoa that is amazing and then other stuff I'm like give me a break man like what are you guys doing um, but it's all in the same record you know it's kind of amazing that yeah. um, that, that can happen you know what's your favorite Van Halen record uh, first one yeah yeah that's my Definitely. second favorite my f first favorite is um is uh what do you call it uh the um man i got fair punched. warning no, fair warning that's the one yeah 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 fair warning fair warning is a close second yeah yeah it's like one of these deals where like yeah i'm like yeah man i'm gonna, I'm gonna ask about what my your favorite van halen record is and I, I just the name just completely escaped me that one really doesn't I, have any doesn't have any hits on it you know there's like yeah, no, i know i mean, yeah, yeah, I, mean I, I don't know I, I love that record. Yeah, that 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 one's a close second. But yeah, I am definitely like I'm I'm a I'm a Van Halen one type of uh, type of person. You know, I I I, uh, I listened to Diver Down the other day. Yeah. And I and I never that's kind of one that I kind of never really paid that much attention to because it's all covers. Yeah. Or most it's like mostly covers, and then the stuff that are original is like really goofy. Um, and I revisited it the other day, and uh, I still feel the same way about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not, that was that was kind of like a, a throwaway record to me. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, do you uh, do you have any input on this, Van Halen? Oh God, no, I don't like Van Halen at all. <laughs> when, when Van Halen comes on in the van, um, uh, Sarah um, either changes it herself or asks politely to have it changed. I have an aversion to fun rock music. 
Oh, okay. Hmm. I tend, if I want fun music, I tend to listen to, like, pop music or R&B. Okay. Um, I like my rock to be very, you know, heavy, deep, moody, or savage. Savage, serious nice. Rock, like, I like serious that. rock only. Yeah, serious. Serious business. You know yeah. what wasn't too shabby? Remember, like, a few years ago, I was in town for that, um, there was this, like, Scion thing. And we were, oh yeah, we, just, we were talking about the new Van Halen record. Yeah, that new. We were listening to that. Uh, me, yeah. you, Thompson, and Paul Delaney was playing bass and yeah. tunes, and that record actually is pretty, pretty good. You know, I, I, I don't know that I ever listened to it again after we <laughs> listened to it in that hotel room. I, 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 I should go back and check it out. I don't know it that well. I remember kind of not digging it that much, and I think what it, I think the reason why, was I remember that that David Lee Roth was making a lot of, like, lyrically, he was making a lot of, like, very modern, like, social media references and things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. Which I did, I don't like that stuff, and I think in the long run that's it's not going to date well. Um, but uh, I haven't, I don't think I've heard of that. But I remember that was my impression. I was like, oh, why is he talking about this stuff? Um, but anyway, you know, it's David, why, why, you know. I just read, I actually just read Crazy from the Heat recently, like a month ago. Um his autobiography yeah. I don't know if you've read it but it is phenomenal highly recommended yeah I found it for a dollar actually and I picked it up yeah uh, I'm definitely yep. gonna read that, that is the correct price yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know in the last couple of years I never was one to read you know rock biographies but when the uh, the Tom G Warrior one came out a few years ago that, that that one really grabbed me and I started reading a bunch of um you know biographies about different people and bands and whatnot and there's the Rudy Sarzo one, Off the Rails. Have you read that one? No, no. That's a great one, man. It's not, Sarzo, Rudy Sarzo is like one of my favorite bass player type personalities in, you know, that sort of heavy metal world from the 80s. He, yeah. um, I mean, he was in Ozzy's band only in the live. He never recorded any of the records. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was yeah. like Bob Daisley playing Bob, all that yeah, stuff, Bob right? Yeah, Bob Daisley, Baisley or something like that. Daisley, some British yeah, Bob, guy. Bob Daisley. Yeah, he was. Bob Daisley wrote the lyrics too, I believe, for the for those no. first, at least the first two Ozzy records. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Yeah, and then yeah, and then and then Sharon had um, it was Bob Daisley and like Lee Lee Kerslake uh, was on drums on one of them, and then and then Tommy Aldridge I think on the other one, and those are the ones that Sharon Osbourne like, to when they sued for back royalties or whatever she just she had robert trujillo and mike borden come in and re-record their parts um man that, that, that's that sucks yeah totally absolutely totally yeah yeah i think um tommy aldridge was i thought he was on the first two records on drums i i don't know if he was on one i thought lee Kerslake played on one of them but i can't remember tommy aldridge though also famously um when randy rhodes died in that plane crash um you know, obviously there was tons of police and everything showing up. Tommy Aldridge is the one who had to go hide the freezer bag, freezer bag Ziploc full of Coke that they had on the tour bus. He had to go, like, hide it in the woods. Wow. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> he was also in Black Oak, Arkansas, too, right? There you go. There you go. Yeah. And that's sort of like where David Lee Roth got his uh, his stage stick from. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that, it's like, it was a combination, it seems to me it was like a combination of that and like vaudeville, you know? Yeah. Also, you know, you know what I really liked about David Lee Roth is his like, 
jumping sidekicks that he would throw during the live performances. I always was really impressed by that ability to launch himself through the air like that. You know? Yeah, I would end up in the hospital if I tried anything like that. Flexible guy. I, I, was, I was impressed by that as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing Sarah is impressed by in Van Halen. His <laughs> <laughs> acrobatics. Okay, so back to the videos. You know, the um, Sarah, are you? Is there some sort of occult practice that you you follow, or, or are you into any of that stuff, like tarot, or you know? Yeah, I'm actually the uh, one of the main ways I make my living for the past um, five years now is uh, I'm a tarot card reader. I was unaware of that. Yeah, um, that is a fact of life. Huh. Uh, yeah, my whole my whole world very much revolves around. Um, uh, Tarot card reading and you know ritual and um, uh, working to expand consciousness. Um, my whole friend circle and, and world is connected to me in that way. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge part of my life. Now, is it? Uh, are you are you into like Wicca or? Um, I'm not, I don't subscribe to, um, any one particular, you know, religion or creed, uh, or anything like that. Um, I, I absolutely just like to remain open to everything at all times. Um, there's never been one thing that I've found was not limiting. Um, and so there's definitely things I pull from, but most of the, like most of the modern things, like Wicca, for instance. I mean, it's really cool. I, I respect Wicca. I think it's really good. I'm, I'm glad it's around, you know. Um, but Wicca, everything they do has been going, has been happening for thousands of years, you know. Um, and I think that ritual and shaping your consciousness and your reality and connecting to other realms um, is something that spans across witchcraft, all tribal ancient religions, and Eastern religion. Um, and those are all things that I find fascinating. Um, interconnectivity of uh, regions, cultures, realms, levels of consciousness. Um, that's kind of the world that I, that I live in. That's interesting, man, because like the actual the, the idea of a ritual, too, is something that even people that don't necessarily consider themselves to be particularly spiritual or on some kind of path, like they people do rituals all the time. They just don't realize that they're actually doing rituals. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, brushing your teeth every day is a ritual. Yeah. And um, I started really paying attention to that, too, like when when. Uh, you know, just I, I, I sometimes I work at this shop in New York City here called Enchantments. It's um oh. yeah, it's like uh they're into all kinds of stuff there. Like the owners like into the Orishas and all this kind of um you know you know, that that whole angle, you know what I mean? And yeah. there's there's like yeah. a you know, a lot of pagan type people work there and you know right. I, I just kinda hang out and do stuff here and there, you know. That's I'm like cool. yeah. you know, like this dude, if they need to have someone pick something up, they ask me to pick up like a box or something. And, you know, someone tries to rob the store, I chase them out, you know, that kind of thing. That is awesome. Joke some people out. Yeah. I you know. love that. And uh, I learned how to use a cash register, you know, which I've never had to do that before in my life. Oh. So, you know, so I, I, I work there every now and then. 
You know, you'll see yeah. me there occasionally. But um, but yeah, w- my working there is actually um, kind of like, you know, I got educated me on a lot of this stuff. And um, I bet. And and even like thinking about rituals and how, you know, there's even like tuning your guitar. You know, there's like this whole thing which changes your sort of perception. You know, right. it's like. You know, when you go out on stage or something, you know, you put on, you know, your your clothes that you wear, you, you, you tune the guitar, you do your warm up. And it's like there's like that moment and that like sense of the way that you interact with your environment at that particular moment. And then there's the person that you were you were prior to that. And I think right. that's kind of like what rituals really stand for is like transforming the way that you perceive your environment like making yourself receptive to certain things, you know, for whatever, you know, it's like, even when I train like martial arts or whatever, it's like, okay, we're going to warm up. I'm going to get a sweat going. I'm going to jump rope. And then it's okay. Now I'm a different guy now than when I walked in off the street. Now I'm ready to start doing all this technical work and everything. And that's a ritual too, you know, and it's just, um, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. Like, uh, you know, a lot of, I, you know, magic and like ritual magic and ceremonial magic, it's not really um, prior to my experiences there, something I was ever really into. I mean, I was aware of it, but, you know, I think people have a misconception as to what's actually going on there. You know, it's like, it's not like you're pulling a rabbit out of a hat, you know, it's, you know, it's more like, uh, you know, you're just sort of putting intention into the world and, you know, trying to like, you know, guide your future in a way, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Is that how you see um, it? I think it's more. Well, to me, it's it's more like um, it, it, more like being one with your future by being one with your uh, infinite self. Uh, as, that's always my goal <laughs> through any sort of magic or ritual um, is to sort of you know I, I don't. It's hard not to go into like a rambling spinoff, but um, I think that you know time is an illusion. So I think that by being in touch with your with your current present self, you are in effect in touch with your future self. And so then that brings it back to ritual. You think about like whatever ritual you're partaking in daily, whether it's musical performance or it's uh, some sort of drinking in a bar every night or, um, you know, washing your car every day, it's really important to you. Like you think about like, what is this ritual that I'm doing daily making my future self, you know, what reality am I creating? And that's really what magic is all about to me is, um, basically finding the true power, uh, and connection and unity, um, to all aspects of self um, in the moment. Now, with respect to tarot, it's like, does anyone really know where that whole thing came from? Because I've, I've read a lot of different accounts as to where the tarot deck originated. Is that, you know, do you yeah. have any insights into that? Yeah. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's correct. There's a lot of different accounts that nobody really knows, which is, which is fun. Just adds to the mystery. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, I believe, I think that the, the Romani people in Europe, I think, sort of claim that they were the ones who originated it somehow. And I mean, I don't know. 
I mean, that's yeah, and then there's like theories that they actually came from Egypt and that they got it from Egypt. But then there's there's people who disprove that theory, and they people want to say it was started in Italy, and you know, there's all kinds of different theories. I'm gonna say it came from Egypt because uh, I feel like <laughs> right? e- e- Egypt is like one of the most trippy places. Like their whole culture is like pretty yeah. pretty insane if you really you know just want to lose yourself in research like read up on egypt <laughs> oh i read about egypt all the time are i you, love egypt are, are you familiar with john west wesley harding no he's uh-huh. this guy who um he's an egyptologist who um okay he's saying that the sphinx is actually older than even older than than we thought that oh my dates. friend was just telling you about that actually yeah yeah, that's um, of course like, the scientific community is trying to discredit him because uh, uh, you know he. Yeah, I mean, of course they are. But the scientific community is is always trying to discredit everybody, and everything's always changing in the scientific community too. Though, you know, facts are changing too with science. So I don't. I like to attribute that. the you know think about the the scientific community kind of how I think of the Roman Catholic Church and how. You know, yeah. people disagree with them. They're branded as heretics, and yeah, know. yes, exactly. They're trying to, you know, I understand. Like scientists, they really want to believe that we're in control and that we know everything, and that's a very comforting thing. But it's just not. It doesn't align with uh, any sort of experience that we've watched humanity go through. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's sort of. When you think about the Middle East in general and how that is the cradle of civilization, you know what I mean? The Sumerians, you know, the Assyrians, all these like different cultures. Yeah. You know, that's like where uh, written written language came from. You know what I mean? That's like totally. mathematics, like everything came out of the Middle East. And, uh, yeah. you know, but then like you have to you have to wonder where all this fundamentalism came from. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like that's an interesting thing to study you know that's all i'm saying about the middle east you know yeah i mean i really i just i think it all just came from uh the desire for power uh to to contain it you know yeah well that that's where i think all this like sort of monotheistic religions are really just kind of like uh a method to control everybody you know what i mean absolutely yeah completely in agreement with that have you read anything by uh, Graham Hancock? I have. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, yes. The I haven't read a whole book, but I've read parts of his books a lot. Actually, I was just reading about the Sphinx online. Um, and I was reading. I was reading all this astrology stuff he had about the Sphinx. I, I don't remember why. I was down some rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, reading about the Sphinx aligning with. The ecliptic. I really can't remember, but um, I find his theories to be very interesting. I know they're highly debated, but um, I I like a lot of what he says, um, and I like to read. I tend to I tend to just look at everything almost as like a theory these days. Yeah. Because I just feel like things change so much, even in the relatively short time I've been alive. You know. Um, that nobody really knows anything. We're just we're just sort of putting things together as far as how we got here, you know. Grasping at straws in the darkness. <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Hancock's uh, his his like lectures. I mean, his books sometimes are a little dense, like they're a little bit yeah. hard to get through. But um, there's tons of lectures and interviews and different. He shows up in all these different places, and you can. He's a he's he's a he's got a great voice too. I mean, he's like. Oh, I have not listened. To, I haven't listened to anything. I've only oh, read. Oh yeah, just look him up on YouTube, and you'll see you'll you'll end up, you know, get a cup get a nice chunk of time on him, but then you'll yeah. end up on some video about reptilian overlords or something eventually. <laughs> right. You know. Of course. Yeah. So um, the record's out, right? It came out like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It, well, it came out on, on exactly a week ago, Friday. Yeah. Right. Okay, a week ago, yeah. And um, are you guys, uh, you guys are playing a show tonight, right? Tomorrow night. Tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow, tomorrow night. Ah. Show. Yeah, record release show. Cool. Now who's on the, who's playing the bill on the bill with you guys? Uh, there's a band called Zigzags, um, uh, who are friends of ours, um, uh, who have been, um, they've been touring around. They just got back from Europe a little while ago. They did something insane, like 31 shows in 31 days or something cuckoo like that. Um, and then the opening band is a band called Tarkus, um, which is, which they are a doom band for sure. Um, and they have, um, two female singers, one who plays keyboards, and then the other is a Native American woman um, who, uh, does she play any instruments? Flute. Flute, she plays flute, mm -hmm. right. Um, and uh, uh, I think the themes of some of their songs are have to do with um, the Native American spirituality. Oh, and like possible. Yeah, and, and, but then they'll also like rip out a candle mask cover. Oh, cool. Yeah. Where is this at? Like, where, what venue you guys playing at? Now? This is at a place called Complex uh, here in Los Angeles, Glendale, actually. Um, I've been uh, there. So yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, that's where, we, that's where we played last time. Not last right, time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We yep. played there with uh, Wolfhammer, and uh, yes, yeah, uh, all you guys were there. It was cool. It was fun. Yeah, that was a good one. I quite like that that room actually. Yeah, it's a good room. Yeah, it is. It's cool. Um, and they put on a lot of great shows there. They're a really good venue. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a nice size, you know what I mean? It looks packed when there's like 20 people there, which is cool, you know, for us. And uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I, like, I like that, you know, it's it's a nice intimate feel to it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's really good. And they do. And uh, Dan, who is the guy who does puts on a lot of the heavy shows there, he does, he does the sound, does a really great job with that. Um, yeah, we love it there. Are there any uh, touring plans for you guys coming up? Uh, we are working that out now. Uh, we don't have anything nailed down um, yet, but, um, I mean, we want to do as much as we can to support this record. Um, so hopefully all that stuff will be forthcoming. Right on. Now, if uh, people want to check you out online, like you know, your website, Facebook, you guys have all that stuff in place? We have, yeah, we have a Facebook and an Instagram, and I think we have a... Those are the best places. Those are the best ones, yeah. yeah I think that's, yeah, we, we do have a website, but it's not, not... The website needs to be updated, I think. It well, does. Uh, someone, the person sitting next to me, needs to get on the case. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you're, uh, you also do? as well sarah is a web designer uh, again reluctantly Damn. <laughs> yeah i've been a website designer and worked in that i worked in that world for a while and um i don't particularly enjoy it uh anymore but but i am good at it when i focus on it um, wow. so yeah that's supposed to be my job 
I've been, I've been slacking big time. <laughs> I can never figure any of that stuff out, man. You know what I mean? Good. Don't. Don't. Oh, my God. My friend told me the most brilliant thing. Don't learn anything you don't want to do for a living. And I was like, you are right. Because every time somebody knows that you do it, they're going to be like, oh, can you do this? I'll pay you. And then you end up doing it to make money and you get stuck. Yeah, you're trapped. Into this. You get trapped. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good policy, I think, is to do something, do stuff like that. I know. I'm really careful about what I learn now. Huh? I'll have to follow suit on that because I ended up learning a lot of things I wish I could unlearn. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. It's we have to be careful what we learn. Yeah. Don't you tell me that. And uh, yeah, because I get off, keep getting offered jobs that I don't want to do. So it's yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks. Um, you know, I like the yeah, record, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's thanks, rad. Mike. Thanks for having us. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be out there actually in either June or July. So, you know, cool. maybe we'll hang out. Awesome. You know? Definitely. Cool. Yeah. Are you touring out here or just coming to hang out or what do you No, nah, we're, we're going out on the road in, uh, like, the, from the middle of June into, into the middle of July, basically. Uh, nice. Great. And, um, yeah, we're playing at the Roxy. At that venue, oh, that oh, yeah. we Killer. talked about, yeah. right? Yeah, that's another great venue. That, yeah. That's another one of really our favorites. Good. Yeah, you know, I like it, man. I like that place. It's um, initially I wasn't sure if I was gonna like playing there because the staff's kind of weird, I think. But um, yeah, but it it, it sounds great. The stage is cool. It's right. Yeah. It's right next to the Rainbow Bar and Grill. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I like we like that they have a curtain. So like you're yeah. no no one's looking at you while you're like setting up your pedals and yeah. shit like that. You know what I mean, it's like you just you just you know you start playing and the curtain opens. It's like that's to me that's a proper like rock show, you know. Yeah, I agree, man. And it's like you know in that part of L.A., it's like it's got some history, you know. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. History. And uh, I I don't think you were with me though when I went to the I actually went to the Rainbow Bar and Grill for the first time ever last year. And, oh, uh, was it after the show you guys did with 1349? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all went oh, over there. Yeah, we, we had this, yeah, because we, I remember saying hi to you, but then we had, we split during 1349 at some point, because we, I don't know what we had to do, but we couldn't stay for 1349. We saw some of it, but yeah, so we didn't, yeah, we didn't have to go It was fun, man. I, um, I, you know, I know it's like a goofy tourist thing to do, but I, I wanted to do that. There was two things I wanted to do on that tour, and one was go there, and the second thing was eat at In-N-Out Burger. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Both of those things are good. Th- yeah. Those are good. Th- I mean, those are like, like, you know, touristy things that actually locals do. Like, I, I, I actually, I really like the Rainbow, and, and um, you know, of all the fast food burger joints, I mean, In and Out's the only one I would go to. Yeah, um, solid. You know, so, yeah. I'm into it. You know, it's a great place. Yeah. I saw Ron Jeremy at uh, at um, the Rainbow. He is, re- he is, he, so that, he's, yeah, that's a, that's a regular sighting. And it actually, and, and, yeah, and, 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 you know, as I'm sure your listeners know, yeah, I mean, the first few times I went there, I mean, I would see Lemmy in there all the time, all the time. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I made it there a little too late to see Lemmy, yeah. man. That would have been cool. But yeah, Ron, Jer- I didn't know that Ron Jeremy was like a fixture there, but it was, it was like three o'clock in the morning or something or two thirty or whatever. And like, um, someone's like, it's Ron Jeremy. And I look over and it's like, <laughs> and uh, we were with those Norwegian guys, you know what I mean? So they were like, they were the ones I think who spotted him. And, um, yeah. and it was like, he just looked like he had been up for days. And uh, yeah. he was wearing these like sweatpants and like, it was, yeah. it was a mess, yeah. man. Yeah, totally. Amazing. Yeah. yeah that so, sounds about right. 
But it was a fun night, man. That was actually the last night of the tour, and then we just drove back all the way straight wow. with no shows. <laughs> oh, God, man. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was, that, it was rough, man. That tour actually, it was logistically that tour sucked because it was the first show was in Miami, and we really couldn't play any shows down there because the show was going up the East Coast. So it's oh, like any God. of the cities that we would have played, we were playing on the tour, and then like driving back, it was just like we kind of played everywhere. It was the end of the tour, and it was just like. You know, let's just keep rolling because the only shows we were able to get were these kind of like random cities and whatever. So, you know, it's just like we just banged out the drive. And uh, yeah, some of these book guys, I don't know what they're thinking with these routings sometimes. Like, I'm sorry, it's just not. It's like you know, like people have to actually do that in a van. Like it's not just numbers on a like a like a like a list of dates. Like people have to <laughs> physically get from point A to point B. Like I don't, I, I don't. Know, it seems like a lot of booking guys like can't grasp that somehow yeah because like for 1349 after that they were going down in south america so for them it was all good right. you know they were in la then they like went into south america and the dude that was driving their van like they had one of those like rocket slid um you know uh yeah. rental vans you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah it's yeah, like, yeah yeah it's a sprinter but it's all it's got bunks and a tv and a couch and all that stuff inside it like they gutted the inside of the sprinter and it's got, you can live in there, basically. And then there's a trailer for all the gear. And, yeah, uh, that's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, so the guy, the, the driver had to drive their their whole transport system back to Florida. So he, he was on the same boat as we were, just oh, yeah. burning wow. it. Yeah, know? yeah, right, because they probably rented it there, yeah. Yeah, because I think that rocket sled outfit is located somewhere in, like, central Florida. So that guy had to, like, do the same thing, man. And then... Everyone else in their crew like flew out of there, so the American guys all flew home after that. Rocket <laughs> sled, remember that band, Rocket Sled? Yeah, man, totally. It's like one of the guys from Rocket Sled was in Drowning Man. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then well, I think one of them, like Mark Thompson, went to high school with one of those guys. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I could see that. Yeah, they they were pretty good, man. I think if I remember correctly, I thought they were pretty. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. I yeah, they they had like one one album, I, and I I enjoyed it. Yeah. From Burlington, Vermont, right? Yep, yep. That's a nice little... I like going to Burlington. I haven't been there in years, but, uh, you know, that uh, four, Club four, two, four, two, four, 242 Main, or whatever the hell it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't been there in years either, but, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Do you know Bernie Sanders had something to do with opening that place? His, no his, way. His wife, actually. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Because, you know, he, he's, like, he's from Brooklyn, right? He's born and yeah, raised right. Brooklyn guy. But I, I believe that for a time he was living, or he still lives in Burlington. Yeah, he's. Uh, I like Bernie, man. I like Bernie. Totally. Yeah, I was a backer. It's too bad. It's too bad what happened to Bernie. Yeah, I totally back. I was a backer of his, man. And yeah. it's like, it kind of sucks. Like I was kind of hoping that it was going to run for like you know with with a different party or something like that. You know what I mean? Ah, I don't want yeah, to talk. I, fucking, it's a fucking travesty, dude. This whole thing. Yeah. Yep. That's, uh, that, yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah, I just, every day I read about some shit that just baffles me, you know? Uh, you know, I, I went, I, it's funny, I went, Mustard, Gas, and Roses just did a tour, like, a couple weeks ago, or I got back, like, a week ago. Yeah, I got back a week ago, so we were gone for, like, a little while. Sorry, there's, like, a cat meowing here. That's um, cool. I like cats. Uh, I, we, I, so I didn't, I wasn't, like, 
you know, I'm not the guy who's like on their phone the whole time. Like I don't do that really. I'm on tour. I just kind of like, like the fact that I don't have to do that. So I didn't watch any news and I've continued that for the week I've been home. And, uh, yeah, I might, so I might be like slightly out of the loop. Um, I've never felt better. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's like, it's like that stuff just wait, you just get hammered with all that stuff every day. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I can't, you know, obviously you can't do that forever cause it doesn't really pay to be oblivious, but, um, taking breaks is, uh, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I mean, I really, I was actually talking to somebody, you know, recently about, um, some young person, you know, about, I'm like, yeah, I'm from a time before the internet. You know, I was telling yeah. this, this person about, like, you know, the world before there was, like, cell when phones. When dinosaurs and, roamed the earth. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the guy's like, no way, man. I'm like, yeah. You know, I, when, when, I was, when I was your age, there was no internet, you know? Yeah. And um, I was telling him about how, like, I could just disappear, man. I love that about that time, like, in the, in their, you know, the mid-90s or whatever. It's like, I used to live down on, on um, Hooker Street in Austin. And it would have, I lived there too, yeah. All these dudes, like the guys from Otis, my old band, you know, that you guys yep. have to, you know, you and Thompson always threatened me about telling people about this band, but I don't, I don't give a fuck, man. I'm cool with it, you know, it's like, it's all part <laughs> hey, of the, Otis like, was Otis was a great man, a, a great band, man. I, I, I love that. Yeah. I still have those CDs somewhere. I should bust them out. I, I enjoy them. I like, I, 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 remember, I remember them and I feel like I would enjoy them still. Yeah, man. It's part of like, you know, the uh, rich tapestry of my life, you know. But, um, I think that's a, I think that's the right way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not something I'm really that into. I mean, I don't. There's a lot of flaws, obviously, but um, you know, I I did it. You know, we did a lot of stuff in the two years we were together, which I thought was cool. But yeah, um, yeah during that period of time, it's like the cool. I I often think back to this time because I'm like, yeah, man, I used to like just walk, just leave the house, and yep. no one knew where I was. It's like I would go yep. for these like long, long walks. I would walk all the way down. Harvard Ave into like Cambridge and then all the way to Arlington because there was like a comic book shop like in right on the border of Arlington and Cambridge that I used to go into every now and then when I'd go on these epic walks and no one I would come back and it'd be dark I would leave in the light and it would come, yeah. come home and it would be dark and no one knew where the fuck I was and it was like no one could Great. reach me maybe if someone called there would be a message right yeah yeah. Call, yeah. call Dean right. Bottle. On, on your answering machine, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then an answering machine, which, like, usually the tape was, like, filled, you know what I mean? So that that was useless, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it's, like, one of the, the best things ever is to, to be completely alone, like, with no distractions like that, just with your own thoughts, you know what I mean? And a lot of kids these days can't really relate to that idea. Yeah, I love that, too, man. Like, I... I I remember, um, like, I read a lot of, um, or I, I probably read. I, I I can't say I've read everything. I read. I think I read most of James Elroy's books. This yeah. Morning. Oh um, yeah. But he talks about like his process of a lot of like, especially when he's writing like true crime stuff, like um, to get like to get his head in. Like when he wrote about the Black Dahlia murder and things like that, or his own mother's murder and things. His process was he would go into a room, like he'd like unplug the phone. He'd go into a room, he'd turn the lights out, and he'd just lay on the bed, and he was not to sleep. It was to, like, just be isolated and, like, get into the, like, put himself in that time and that place and try to think about what it might have been like so he could describe it in the best way, having not, you know, having not um, either been there himself or been really young at the time when when that stuff happened. Um, 
uh, I think he, I think the Black Dahlia murder happened either the year he was born or right prior to, or right even or maybe it was very very small. I, I forget. Um, but yeah, I love that. I love that whole idea. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, do you ever think about writing fiction at all since, you know, you're, you're a writer? You know what I mean? Do you um, ever- yeah, I've thought about it. I've done a couple things like that. I mean, I kind of I had a column in Decibel for a while that definitely was mostly fictional. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wrote some excellent short stories that only I think I've read. Yeah, that might be true. Yeah, I don't know true. about the excellent part, but I, yeah, <laughs> I've done that stuff before. I just don't. I, you know what? I think. I just don't have. I think what happens is, and this is this is kind of a this is maybe a sad tale, but I think what happens is, at least for me, a little bit, um, is that when you are writing for a living, and um, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to do that for a long time now, um, you tend to just think of it as work. Um, I, I'm I, definitely for the last few years, I can't really imagine writing too much if it was not for money it yeah. doesn't seem appealing because i've done so much of it um like we all, like we like even like you know we had to do you know you, you have to when you put out a record you know you, there's a bio and i'm sure you know rise above was probably thinking oh there's a writer in the band so uh, free bio and uh and i was like no no i don't want to do it because first of all writing about your own band is terrible it is. um but secondly it's just like uh uh, if it's if I don't have to do it, I don't want to do it. You know, yeah, which is okay. I don't know. It's, 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 I, don't, you just have, I think of I think of writing now like like um like like being a plumber or something. Like it's just going to work and fixing the pipes. You know. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So I mean, it's, I, that may be a bummer for people, but I mean, I, I mean, like the thrill is gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, there is some enjoyment. There's some enjoyment. I do get some enjoyment, like during the process. Like you know, when you come across, you know, when you when you like, you know, you have a particularly pleasing turn of phrase. You know, you can pat yourself on the back or whatever, get a kick out of it. But like, you know, the sort of like getting ready to write something. I really enjoy, like. So I really enjoy a lot. Most of what I do now is interview stuff, and I really enjoy like this part, like the in, like talking to the person. Um, but then like you got to transcribe it, which is like mind numbing. Um, and then by the time you're through that, it, that's already worn you down so much that the, the writing part, it's kind of ends up being like work. And I still, obviously, you know, I, uh, like your, like your local plumber, uh, I, you know, I'm going to do the best work I can do. Um, but it doesn't mean, you know, I'm like <clears throat> jumping for joy about it, you know? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause some of the stuff, like you brought it up yourself about like, you know, your, um, your column that you had in Decibel was like, yeah, that out when I would read that, I was like, wow, there's like something here that could possibly be extrapolated out into like a more long form kind of piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was definitely, I think there was a time, like certainly when I started writing that column, when I would think about doing stuff like that. Um, but honestly, I, I mean, I worked, worked like a, like a, dog man like a dog for years and years and years and years and years and i think what i think what happened is i just became i i started to view it um as what it is which is work you know yeah and, I, and believe me i i i i love that i can do it I, i'm glad that i don't work at the, at the at the gas station or or um you know park cars or driving a delivery van or working at a deli all all of all of the jobs which i've had um, uh, and I still think I'm pretty good at it, but you know, the, the, uh, 
the excitement factor um, of doing it is low. But I still, I, I love the interviews, man. I love talking to people. Um, like in, you know, like what, like what you were doing, like being on the other end of this is, is great. Like it being in, I mean, I like being on, on, you know, both sides is great, but, um, you know, ask, you know, having conversations with people, I enjoy that. Yeah. I, I enjoy doing that obviously, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun because then you really get to see like what makes people, what their process is like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You get a, a, a in-depth sort of interest in, you know, introspective kind of uh, feel, you know, when you do it, when you have a conversation with people, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks guys. I really appreciate you guys taking time out on a Friday. Yeah. Thank you. Know. And, um, yeah, I'll be seeing you guys hopefully, uh, you know, in another month or so. And, uh, awesome. yeah. Yeah let, us, yeah. let us know, man. And thanks for listening, everybody.
curious how you record this because I do like Skype interviews a lot, but I just like go like old school style. We just I just put my recorder next to the speaker like I'm making a fucking mixtape like I did when I was ten, where you just push the push the boom boxes together or whatever. Um, do you are you like actually running a direct line into something? Yeah, I just take uh, out of my either it could be either the iPad or um, or it could be out of uh, just a phone, just like that eighth inch jack. Yeah, and then yeah. I, uh, I just use uh, an adapter <clears throat> and then go into um, the Pro Tools interface and then put it in, into a track. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you know, and you can, uh, works works halfway decent, you know what I mean? I wouldn't say it's the, yeah. the best way of doing things, but it's not, it's not bad. All right, cool. I think, uh, I think we're in business here. All right. I usually do it. I well, not usually. I always do an, an introduction where I describe who you guys are, and you know, so we don't have to do. Hey, I, I'm here with uh, Jay and Sarah of Ides of March. You know, I don't have to do anything stupid like that. So, <laughs> Ides of March. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, we, get we, it we wrong. Get that a lot. Get it wrong, and and you know, be real foolish and stuff. But yeah. So, anyway, Ides of March. Yeah, which is yeah, which is a which is a band. Really, there's a, there's a there's actually a band called Ides of March. Yeah, that, I, I don't think they still exist, but they did. Like I think in the '80s, I think. Okay, I was unaware yeah. of that. Yeah, huh. I, I, I have no idea what they sound like, but I see I actually see their records um, every once in a while, like at an event and stuff. Oh, that's cool. All right, so 